So, I mean, do we have any sort of plan or probably are we just gonna go? go in intro like where have we been, what's been going on, mm-hmm. um, put out what they can expect coming up, which is nothing. Just say we did a hundred one broadcast. Keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> Don't bring it to the front. Just keep it in the back of your mind. Um, and then we could just get into like an we could do like an abridged cage. What what is thing. interesting you right now? Um, in the sports I mean, world, it's free agent NBA free agency deadline. It's like in, not Two deadline, days. but the July, yeah, the, the signing day, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, the Blue Hen basketball schedule just came out. I don't know if we want to talk Blue Hen sports. We can if we want. I mean, the it's the two things that have happened since we've been gone is the basketball schedule and the red shirt rule. Right. I don't know if you read about that with the uh, four games, which Rocco said that he liked. Um, it, it's important, but it's not super juicy. So that could always wait till when we come back the in the fall. Bridge, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of a bridge cage it. two question marks at the end that's the voice of jake lampert i'm brandon Halvek, and welcome to the blue hen sports cage podcast jake it has been a while but we are back in the studio a little bit of a taste uh, of what's to come uh, after a little bit of a hiatus there but how, how's it been going we haven't seen each other in this, yeah, this is five the, weeks the you haven't heard time. from us but we haven't seen one another either well i'm here i came down for the week uh, not not the week about two days visit people here, see a few people, and I thought, what better way to really cement my visit here in Delaware than put out a little podcast, let people know. We're, don't forget about us. We got another killer season coming up next year, Blue Hen Sports, especially football, basketball. I know we were excited. We were just talking about that the basketball schedule was released, but home's been good. It's been hot. Been it's good. Keep myself busy coaching. I coach eight-year-old softball. It's exactly how you think it goes. Um... You got the really good players. You got the really bad players and everywhere in between. But I have fun. I like it. That's it, good. It's a good time cruncher, and you're still running and still reporting. So Yep. I've been busy um, interning at the News Journal this summer. Um, so between trips this weekend to Dover to Legislative Hall, I was there yesterday and the day before, and I'll be there tomorrow as well. Um, so it's been a busy summer, but it's been a lot of good experience and a lot of fun. I do think it's only appropriate that we shout out Teddy Gelman, even though one tear rolls down my right eye because he is unfortunately not on Blue Hen Sports Cage anymore. And but he is working; he's employed. He got in. <laughs> Don't sound so radio. surprised. No, I, I'm not surprised. I'm I'm excited that he's there. Washington, exactly where I, he would want to be, and he's in. He's doing his thing. 
I, I don't know his exact uh, yes, badge so, so title, two, but two days ago, uh, Teddy announced, I guess, uh, that he'd be a. I think he's a news assistant news or assist, production yeah. assistant at WTOP, which is one of the leading news radio stations in Washington, D.C. He's from uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, just outside of the city, so that's right near his hometown, and it's uh, something that he was pursuing for a pretty decent amount of time this spring. told me the other day that he thought uh, that he wouldn't have it. They told him that they'd go in another direction, and then they came back to him, and uh, gave him an offer for the position that he really wanted. So we're we're proud. They and, got a good uh, one. Happy to see that they got a good one for sure. Yeah, yeah, not a surprise at all. Uh, if you've been following along with us over the last couple of years, uh, you know what Teddy Gelman brings to the table, and WTUP very lucky to have him. So let's get into it. Let's talk some sports here. The biggest thing I think on the horizon is NBA free agency. The very near horizon is NBA free agency, and there are. Uh, we'll say three big pawns in NBA free agency as of now with LeBron, Kawhi, and Paul George. Those are kind of the yes. the big three. Um, it is some in a lot of situations likely that two or more will be playing together wherever they decide to end up. So, and we are just kind of facts are coming out on Twitter that we knew LeBron deciding to opt out of his contract. We knew that Paul George deciding he's going to look around. We knew that, but this is a situation where there's, we'll say eight teams and three players. And it's going to be a fight, fight to the death. Who gets those three? Let's start with Kawhi Leonard, who is at this point, I think the one that a lot of this action hinges around. Happy birthday Kawhi, by the way. Right. Today's his birthday. Spurs tweeting out earlier today. Happy birthday, Kawhi. Hashtag go Spurs go. It, it's like tweeting at your ex-girlfriend, like, happy birthday. Like, you're not you're not quite done with them, but you're like, I'm still thinking about you. I miss you kind of thing. The reason why I say that the other two guys somewhat hinge on what Kawhi Leonard wants to do is that the teams that are pursuing LeBron James, and in particular the teams in Los Angeles that are pursuing LeBron James— probably need to bring somebody else in to entice him. And one great guy to do that would be Kawhi Leonard. But his situation, obviously, is extremely complicated. Last year played eight games, something like that, in the regular season. Basically sat out the whole year um, with what some believe to be an injury, others believe to be posturing with uh, his, I guess, the way he didn't like how the Spurs were handling his situation. He has one year left on his contract He has said publicly that he wants to go play for the Lakers next season. So some teams may be wary of trading for him without an assurance that he'd be there long term. But still, nonetheless, lots of suitors for Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs haven't shown their cards yet. They haven't really said publicly that they want to trade him. But most people expect that they would at least listen to offers given that he has one foot out the door. And the interesting thing about the Lakers in particular is... They have the money to sign not one, but two of the three more appetizing to be Paul George and LeBron James budget-wise because they won't have to really move anyone. I mean roster space, you'll have to juggle a few people around, and most likely to get one of those players, you'll probably have to drop a Brandon Ingram or something like that. But overall payroll-wise, they can fit that. Yeah, they're the only team of the suitors that have two um, or the potential to get to two max contract salary space under their cap. The Sixers have the ability to get to one 
space under the cap. You talk about a team like the Houston Rockets. They don't have any space under the cap. They're way over the cap. Of the teams that we talk about for any of these three guys, the Lakers have the most flexibility. Yeah, and the vibe going around is if all three of these players hypothetically join the Los Angeles Lakers, the two players that will probably be with them alongside them will probably be the two young guards. will probably be Ball and Kuzma next to them just because they're – Rookie contracts are cheap. Everyone else will probably have to get traded to fit all three of them. People are saying, just like they did when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, just like when Chris Paul and James Harden teamed up, they're saying, that's it. It's over. Like, we now have four quote-unquote super teams in the NBA if they want to count. You have to count one team from the East. You can't just do three three teams from the West. Um, I don't think so because all we know is— is they're going to play together. They could possibly have well, the and, OKC vibe. And, they could be like three superstars, and they're going to peter out given and I would, better. Well, and I would hesitate to even go to this point yet because I think the chances of a lot of these it, guys going there are not very high. It's tough to get all three. Well, it, if one signs, the others will be more interested. Right. But to fit all three, to move your young guys. And that's, and that's why I say Kawhi is, I think, the first domino to fall because yeah. – if they are able to make the trade for him and they're the team most likely to really want to give the Spurs a good offer because he wants to play there, then they can go to LeBron James and say, we have Kawhi Leonard. You know, if, we have if the money. If LeVar Ball upsets you, we'll move Lonzo Ball somewhere yeah. else. We have the money to just sign you and add you right to this team. And they could go and do the same thing with Paul George as well. Obviously, LeBron would be the bigger fish to catch. But I don't think the chances of that happening are extremely high. So so then after that, where do you go to the next suitor for, let's say, Kawhi first and then to LeBron James and then to Paul George? I mean, I think that, and you and I have both mentioned, I'm pretty sure, we're pretty sure Kawhi's going to end up in L.A. And if he doesn't, I honestly think he's going to stay in San Antonio. Play out the year and then yeah. hit free agency Just after that. burn your contract out, spike your numbers up a little more. Not that they're not amazing now but get him a little higher after your injury and, and prove, prove that you're healthy right um lebron if he doesn't go to the lakers i would be i still think he's going to stay in cleveland i still think that's where his heart lies but if we're gonna say he leaves and he wants to go somewhere i wouldn't be surprised if houston rockets clear out their budget and say lebron come here the the difficult thing with Houston though is that the easiest way, and it would still be challenging, but the easiest way for them to acquire LeBron James, given their salary cap situation, would be in a sign in trade. And yeah. with the news today that LeBron James would not be opting back into his contract for an additional year with that Cleveland, not, that almost knocks Houston out. Of almost contention. knocks Houston out of contention. Now they would have to find teams willing to just absorb salary with really the only asset they could give them in exchange being draft picks. They'd have to have a team want Ryan Anderson or Eric Gordon in their contract straight up, which a lot of teams Even aren't Capella's going to do. Even a free agent. He's probably not going to move anywhere, but... You it, would not be able to... You most likely would not be able to resign him. Yeah. If if LeBron James had opted into his contract, then you could orchestrate a sign-in trade with Cleveland where you would be giving them players like Eric Gordon, perhaps... Ryan Anderson draft picks, and they would take off that salary, basically equal the salary of LeBron James, allowing Houston to stay over the cap but still bring LeBron in. Basically, the news today makes the chances of Houston getting him, despite it being the best basketball situation, making those chances way slimmer. Yeah, so, I mean, 
other teams that have been in the LeBron James talks, like I said, the other LA team, the Clippers, mm-hmm. have shown interest. It's almost, almost blank canvas-like for LeBron to go to and let him work what he wants to work on yeah. with that team. That's which, just which tough. Bad, there's, but... just, there's just no reasonable way that, yeah, that they're going to end set up LeBron with down and say, there. listen— yeah. Come to our team. We have yeah. DeAndre Jordan. We have maybe. one guy who can't shoot free throws, but he's big. He's a good defender. Please. Like, but I the one that interests me the most is Paul George because there is a lot of places Paul George can go. There are a lot of teams that want Paul George. There's a three part documentary coming out on Sports Center about Paul George and where he's gonna go. I, I don't get that too much. But <laughs> the Pacers, after saying they're going to pro- most likely not have Lance Stevenson back in the team, now are suitors for Paul George. Now he can go back to the Pacers because they have spot for a guy like that, like that personality, like that payroll. He can go there. He can even go to the Rockets. He can even go to the Spurs out of all places. Paul George can go anywhere, and I think that's, I guess, more of a testament to him that both his talent and, I guess, his contract fit in more places than the other people in free agency. Especially compared to LeBron James, he's a player that's— when you discuss his overall skill level, obviously not as good, but his skill set makes him a little bit easier to play with. He's not as ball-dominant a player, so he's more of a complementary piece. He's probably best suited as being your second or third best player, a really good second or third best player, and that opens up the options that you discussed. It also opens up Philadelphia as an option. They have the ability to clear one max contract spot, so that would be in a situation where they don't get LeBron or Kawhi Leonard. Oklahoma City is still in the running, the team that he opted out of his deal with. He has expressed interest in still talking with the Thunder. Um, So there's a lot in play for him, and I think his playing style is what really enables that, um, in addition to the fact that, unlike Kawhi Leonard, who's a similar player, uh, he's not tied to a contract or to a trade or anything. He's just a free agent, uh, unrestricted. So every team that we've mentioned besides the Indiana Pacers has been, to my knowledge, a Western Conference team. The East. Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, right, that LeBron could possibly – actually, all three of them could possibly end up in. Probably going to be a LeBron or Kawhi because they don't really need, to be fair, Paul George. They already yeah. have that third well, dude. Yeah, out of these three guys, they would feasibly only be able to get one. Yeah. Which, I mean, they, they would be thrilled with. Yeah. Um, Eastern free agents. I guess the only one that even had murmurs of moving was Kyrie on the top of the That board. would be a trade. Yeah. I mean – the East is kind of pretty stagnant, which is, I think, a, a pretty good definition of what the NBA is. With the West, each team needs to get better and better because we got these super teams getting better and better. And the East, any team can win for the most part. I like. I think we're down to two. Yeah. Oh, I think that's, no. I mean, we have two teams, but any team that being Boston w- and Philadelphia, right? Any team doesn't need to go get LeBron to be able to win the East. You got to get two good players. And you can go from literally I, like the Nets in standings all the way up to like the Bucks in standings and like climb up yeah, the rankings. Yeah, and I hate to, to to narrow everything down to just an ultimatum, but you do – if all these teams are going after these guys, they need them to actually have a chance of, of winning. Winning That's it all. Thing. Winning it all, yes. Well, and winning the Eastern Conference either even. Like we have a Boston team that was one win away from defeating LeBron James without their two best players. That is going to be the best team in the East – arguably a super team and they have the potential to even make a move if they wanted to but philadelphia is a 52 win team 
whose core is all under the age of 25, even if they don't add anybody, that's a team that will be as good as they were last year or even a little bit better. So if you're any of the teams at the back of the Eastern Conference, you would still love to have one of these three guys. You're not going to get them, though, because you're too far off. The chances of you actually first winning the Eastern Conference and then even having a remote chance at Golden State or Houston in the NBA Finals are very slim. But that makes it interesting that most of these suitors we're talking about for your big three free agents or players that we assume to be available in LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, most of those suitors are in the Western Conference. So would one of these three guys be more enticed to go East? Because in the West, obviously, Golden State, Houston, and then perhaps whatever team LeBron falls on. There are three really good teams out there. And in the Eastern Conference, there are probably two really good teams, but even those teams... Not insurmountable if you added that extra superstar, but you need to add that extra superstar to be in the running. So your predictions for these three players, Kawhi, LeBron, and Paul George, where do they end up? This is very difficult, um, obviously. I'm going to say that there's just the whole time there hasn't been a clear-cut team for LeBron James. Like I don't see him going back to Cleveland. I would love to see him go to Philadelphia, but I understand the concerns with both fit next to Ben Simmons and him wanting to be on a team that's maybe a little bit further along in their maturation process than the Sixers, who are very talented but are obviously very young. And then there's the Lakers, who are not nearly as good as the Sixers. Maybe he brings one of these other guys in with him to make it a quote-unquote super team, but even that team doesn't stack up to Houston or Golden State, in my opinion, and you'd have to get through both of those teams to get to the Western Conference Finals, and then to the NBA Finals. So none of these places are great. Houston was interesting, but I think that's off the table because he opted out. So I'll go with the Lakers having the greatest chance of signing him. And then I would say that's due to them being able to pull off a trade for Kawhi. I think they're the most likely team to trade for Kawhi and to give up a lot of assets because they believe they can retain him after this season. So I would say Kawhi gets traded there in a package that's something like Brandon Ingram and or Alonzo Ball and multiple draft picks and maybe Kyle Kuzma, and then they sign LeBron James. And then I would say Paul George after that would go back to Oklahoma City. Okay, so you think the Lakers get two. I'm going to say the Lakers get one. I think the Lakers just get Kawhi. I think LeBron is going to decide he wants to stay in Cleveland and play again to try and because while it might not be the most— intriguing reason to stay Colin Sexton's not that bad he's a good player to kind of reel LeBron in a little bit and say all right you have now a young guy he could totally be a bust you have a young guy that might be a little interesting so I'll go LeBron stays in Cleveland I'll go Kawhi goes to LA and I will follow that by saying Paul George will then go to LA as well announced their 2018-2019 CAA men's basketball schedule. 
Uh, and, you know, no, no surprises there. You still have the same CAA opponents that the Blue Hens faced a year ago. It is the third and final season of the tournament being held at the North Charleston Coliseum in South Carolina before the tournament will move to Washington, D.C. in 2020. Anything stand out to you, Jake, from the 2018-2019 schedule for the Hens? From what I saw and what I read is they do what look like to be more bouncing around than usual, moving kind of around. And I read a little bit about it that, again, they're doing their kind of travel buddy thing with Drexel's Delaware's travel buddy where they're going to move the same times that Drexel moves. And if they play each other, they'll have a bye on the Thursday before to kind of rest and catch up. Uh, Schedule-wise itself, it's pretty, like you said, standard with CAA teams. I like the end of the season because they get Northeastern, who they're very familiar with because of the CAA tournament. They get Drexel, who was a surprise to all of us in the CAA tournament, how they played. And they get James Madison right before them. Those are teams. James Madison wasn't as... I guess I'll say good as we thought they were going to be, and they kind of got they got knocked out pretty easily. But they end with Northeastern fresh in their minds right before the second to last game, right before the CAA championship. And I think that's going to be interesting because they're going to be like, all right, we played Northeastern at CAA tournament time. Hopefully they're still going to be fighting for the CAA tournament at that time. But I think that could be a good Kickstarter for them for this upcoming season. Obviously, the biggest storyline that we're going to be following, especially at the beginning of the season, is going to be adjustments to the loss of Ryan Daly and how the team responds both on the court and emotionally off the court. Uh, And for the team, it's probably felt like a pretty long time since he decided to announce his retirement and to or his retirement, his decision to transfer. Feels like a retirement. (laughs) I got plenty of eulogizing when he left. Um, But his decision to go to St. Joe's. you know, we talked about this before in the spring. How, do you have any new thoughts on kind of the way that Delaware will adjust, especially without Daly and bringing Kevin Anderson back into the backcourt? So I was, I felt a little eulogy-like with Ryan Daly leaving because I thought it was going to be a very big hit to the team. And I still think it's going to be a very big hit to the team. But I don't think all is lost. And I think both you and Teddy had that mentality that all is really not lost with him. Yes, Ryan Daly is a great player, but he wasn't like leaps and bounds above every single other person in the CAA. Like we lost a great player. We lost the CAA Rookie of the Year uh, last year or two years ago, I should say. But we can actually still do this. Kevin Anderson will pretty much fully take over Ryan Daly duties. We still have Ryan Allen off to the side. Carter's still back for another year. I... I'm going to take away my eulogy here and say that we can still play and we can probably still be competitive this year and be very competitive, I think, this year. Since the last time we convened, Delaware announced the acquisition of two transfers, uh, South Florida guard Nate Darling, a very prolific three-point shooter in a couple years down there, uh, shot over 40%. And then also Justin Mutz more recently announced he's a sophomore coming from High Point University, both of those players will be sitting out this coming season, but adding to the ranks. And the Blue Hens continue to look down the road, both of these guys with multiple years of eligibility left. You think about what the team will lose. They'll lose Carter and Bryant, but there's more and more coming in the pipeline. You lose basically what you said. You lose Eric Carter, Darren Bryant. Darren Bryant 
and won't miss him. Right. You won't miss him. He was him. disappointing last year. Mm-hmm. He was very disappointing last year. He went on a stretch, especially uh, the two games against Towson, where he was a no-show. Uh, Carter will be a hit. He played better last year. I think he's going to play even better this year. But this is a good move, building for the future, trusting the process, kind of getting those new recruiting classes in. I'm excited. I think Inglesby, if he is still going to be here, which I believe he is uh, for these two years, is going to have a pretty fun time. And I think we're going to try to get him on the show before the season starts. And I know we're going to ask him that. And I probably will bet my money that he's going to say, it's going to be fun. That's an Inglesby line say, it's (laughs) going to be fun to get out there and play with all these guys. And I think they fit what he wants to do, especially offensively, maybe a little bit better than some of the players he inherited from the last era. He really wants... Four players, four guards spreading the floor, guys who have the ability to shoot the three consistently off the catch in particular. And they haven't necessarily had that outside of Ryan Daly and Allen. At, when, Ryan when he Allen. Good. Yeah, Ryan Allen, very streaky player, really, really good when he's hot. And he could go one for 10 from three when he's cold. CAA uh, tournament, there he went. Exactly. So, so you look at adding some consistency from beyond the arc especially in what Nate Darling will bring the team. He's played on a bigger stage. He shot 40% from three. I think that will be very useful to the offense and then allow guys like Kevin Anderson and Ryan Allen to fill into the facilitator role while having talent around them to spread the floor. Because this past year, Darian Bryant was not hitting threes. Kyrie Walker is not hitting threes to stretch stretch the floor. It was all really Ryan Daly and Ryan Allen scoring um, outside the paint. You got some contributions from Carter down low, but they really want to be able to spread the floor, move the ball, and play with pace. Now, uh, without going too deep into speculation here, Kevin Anderson, after his injury, he's coming back. He's taking a much larger role because we've seen what Ryan Daly did for the basketball team itself. He took a big chunk of the offense and ran it through him. Can he do it? Can Kevin Anderson do it? He's shown in the first few games that he was good alongside these guys. But can Kevin Anderson fill that spot? Because if he can and do everything Daly did, I guess a sprinkle of what Anthony Mosley brought every once in a blue moon, can he do it? I don't know. I mean, that's that's a question. Can Can he carry the team, really? Can he be the star, I think is what you're asking me. And I don't know if he necessarily will be next year. Um, I thought he was great when he was healthy, 13.7 points per game and out of conference play, just under five boards, plenty of assists as well. He's a tall guy for a guard. He's got a good handle, a decent jump shot that hopefully will continue to improve. But that's a lot to ask of of a second-year player, especially one who only played 11 games last year coming off a big injury. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he started slow. Well, if he's going to heat up, one time to do it will be at the end of the year. since we've talked Delaware football, but as we put together our broadcast schedule for the fall, we've come intimately equated with this schedule. And I want to take a few seconds here to kind of break it down because the next time that will be on the air, we'll be back into fall practices and position battles and so forth. 
But focusing now just on the matchups, the Blue Hens start the season Thursday, August 30th against Rhode Island. That's a change from the last couple of years when they no faced off State. Yep, against Delaware State. Then they'll play Lafayette again. That's at home. Cornell and North Dakota State on the oh, road. Yeah. That rounds out the out-of-conference portion of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Then in in-conference play, Richmond, Elon, New Hampshire, Towson, Albany, Stony Brook, and closing the season with Villanova. The road trips are Richmond, New Hampshire, Albany, and Stony Brook. So out of all of these, first of all, North Dakota State's going to be awesome. I think both Brandon and I are trying our best to get out there to call the game. But looking at conference play here, is it bad that I'm really not that fearful for any team besides Stony Brook? Is I mean, we don't have JMU. What do you think of Elon? I think Elon last year did better than a lot, three, a lot of people thought playoffs. they were going to be. Um, and I think Elon's defense was a little more stout than we thought they were going to be. I want to see them with my own eyes and see how they play. Yeah. But, Delaware, by the way, did not play Elon last year. Right. The CAA, the way it works, there are two teams that each CAA team will not face. So this year for the Blue Hens, it's William and & Mary and James, James Madison. Which is nice. It's yeah. good too. Uh Richmond is Kyle Oletalis. We're going to see how that impacts Not them. Not scared about Richmond. We can only imagine that the best passer in the CAA leaving the team will probably have a good impact to them. Uh, following up, Elon, like we talked about, New Hampshire, like we talked about, two teams that Delaware should be able to handle. Maybe you're not Elon. We'll see how Elon is. But New Hampshire, Delaware should be able to do what they need to do. And then Towson, who is not good, but has been a <laughs> thorn in Delaware's side for the past two years, at least, they've been uh, – no, uh, definitely last year. Last year's um, game-winning touchdown in the corner of the end zone kind of cooked Delaware season right then and there, and that's where they ended. Right. And then Stony Brook is a competitive team, a very competitive team. Delo- that game last year was kind of where the momentum started, where Joe Absolutely. Walker came out halfway through the game, more, earlier than halfway through the game. After two drives. And Caruso – put together a game-winning drive, and then Delaware's defense had a really good stop. Uh, the readers kind of stepped up that defensive drive. And then Nova, which we always end on, good old battle of the blue. We imagine that we can beat them, and last year didn't go according to plan, but we imagine we can beat them. So I like our CIA schedule, or co- our conference schedule. Uh, I think we have the talent and the ability to win all of them. Because JMU's not on it. That's all I'm saying. Delaware was selected fairly high in a preseason top 25. Forget exactly where they were. Yeah. 11 or 12, something like that. I was going to say 14, so I'm glad we're around they the same They were the age. second team the in the age, CAA. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're rust. around the, the same. The rust is still on. Yeah, I'm glad um, we're around the same number. But, I mean, this this team has a lot of returning talent. And I wouldn't be surprised, as I don't think you would be, to see them second, third in this conference and in a strong position come playoff time. And I'm kind of – I'm both happy and unhappy that we don't get to play JMU because, like we've talked about plenty of times, we put the best fight to JMU that any team did in the CAA. And I want to get one more shot at them, but I also don't because I know how good JMU is and I know what they can do. I'm happy with the CAA schedule. I'll give them benefit of the doubt. Say we lose one. We'll close the season out t- uh, tied with JMU for the top, and we'll see them in the playoffs. So 9-2 and two overall? Overall. 
So that would be North Dakota State and then dropping one to somebody mm-hmm. in CAA play? If, if, I, if I had to pick, we'll say Elon surprises us. Or me, I guess. Elon okay, I'll go 8-3. and three. Um, You know, I still think Stony Brook's a good team. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire, Elon, I think those are the three teams to really watch out for. And then Villanova, too, in a rivalry yeah. game. You never know. So I'll say they drop two of those opponents in addition to North Dakota State in out-of-conference play. I think they'll wipe out Lafayette and Cornell and Rhode Island to start the year, so they'll have a lot of momentum. And then you know, it might might be some challenges there, but this will be a better football team than and it was last year. Your one headline that you're looking forward to see come together this football season, what's the one thing you're looking for? I'm going to go Troy Reader. I want to see how high he's going to get drafted, see what mm-hmm. he does this season to differentiate himself from other players at this level. I think last year certainly established himself as one of the best players in the FCS, first team all CAA. I want to see if he can go to the next level and become a third, fourth, fifth round draft pick the way Bilal Nichols did last year. And to do that, I think he'll put up crazy numbers this season. I'm going to go along and say the pass blocking core is what I'm interested in. Didn't... um. Oh, they got hit with a lot of injuries, so I really can't say too much about the safeties and corner positions. But I think that's going to probably need to be our biggest improvement. Not that even it was bad, but if they can lock down that corner and safety position with, like we said, how the readers have been playing and how the line kind of stepped up a little bit, I think this defense can retain or secure a number one defense in in the conference at least. Delaware's football season opens Thursday, August 30th. That's a 7 o'clock start. You'll hear that on 91.3 WVUD. Jake and I will return as soon as we can with our Thursday show, still 5 to 7 on WVUD. Mark your calendars. And then on demand at any time here on the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. Thanks for listening.